The Holy Gospel according to John in the ninth chapter. As Jesus walked along, he saw a blind a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It's his he. Others were saying, No, but it's someone like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes. Then I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And he said, He's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he'd been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So for a second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, I do not know whether he's a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? And then they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered, Here's an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. And he said, Lord, I believe. 
and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do not see may become blind, who do see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we're not blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. The Gospel of our Lord. To you, O Christ. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds this morning be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Who sinned? In other words, what caused this to happen? Bad things don't happen to good people. There must be something wrong with him or with his parents. A vitamin deficiency, alcohol or drug use, too much exercise, maybe too little. Known genetic markers, maybe oxygen issues at birth, something. We did everything right and look at our perfectly healthy child. Left hanging in the silence. Your child is blind or missing an arm. You must have done something to cause it. We have a hard time with the unexplained. We want to know why. We want cause and effect, responsibility and blame. It's not a new tendency. The disciples and the Pharisees wanted it too. Tradition and culture said there must be a reason. We just have to find it. And so begin the questions. The ones literally asked in this story and those underneath the surface, questions about what this healing means about Jesus, the Pharisees, the culture, about God. The gospel writer John wants us to dig in and to wonder. Wonder why Jesus heals the man without being asked to do so. Wonder why the mud and the spit washed off in the pool work. Wonder why society thinks sin caused the man's blindness or that his parents sinned. Wonder why people can't recognize him and see him once he's been healed, that they can only see his blindness, only see him as a beggar. Wonder why the leaders ask his parents, not trusting him to answer and disregard his humanity. But even more so, I think John asks us to think about what this healing accomplishes. I've lived as an amputee since birth. I came into the world this way. Amniotic band syndrome meant my arm was amputated inside the womb in utero. It's an occurrence which has no known cause, no reason for happening. No sin from me or my parents, or my twin brother for that matter. Being an amputee is what I know. It is, I believe, part of what makes me who I am. It's not all that I am, but it's a big part. And I don't think that God wishes disability or disease. God does not intend for the brokenness of our bodies that we experience, some of us in more dramatic ways than others. 
And as I reflect on this story from John's gospel, I think about this man. His identity is bound to his blindness. It's meant that he has sat at the margins of society, struggled to support himself, and wrestled with navigating the world around him. His neighbors have pushed him so far to the margins, they name him a beggar. We never even know his real name. Yet he's also figured out how to navigate the world. He's made his own way in a culture and a community that was not designed for him. He's made his way in a world with sight. And he's survived. His blindness is not only a liability, it's part of him. When he gains his sight, it's deeply formed by his experience of blindness which gives me a unique perspective on the world, one that's different than all of us who have always had sight. The healing of blindness and disability is beautiful. The metaphors, I think we all can agree, are fantastic. Light and dark, blindness and sight. They play to our hearts images of justice and of hope. And it's interesting that in this story, the discomfort from the leaders in the community don't come from the man's healing. They don't necessarily understand it, but the bigger confusion is when he speaks up. When the answers, like the one that Jesus gives his disciples, doesn't align with their beliefs. They talk about him and around him. He's invisible, even once he can see. Over and over, the man says, I am he. Words that we hear Jesus say, too, when asked about his own identity. And he tells them how it happened. He smeared mud on my eyes, yet they don't believe him. They couldn't see anything but his blindness. They even ask his parents, not trusting that it's really him. And his parents, artfully standing up for their sons, say, Ask him, he's old enough to answer you. Over and over and over again, they question him. And he speaks the truth. And he claims discipleship. He's a follower of Jesus now. And near the end of the passage, he says, here's an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And leaders answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. When he questions the system of power, he's driven out. They still can't see beyond their fear. They still can't see beyond the margins. Even after he can see, they only see the part of him that was blind. They cannot see beyond it. They can only see sin. They can't fathom, as Jesus points out at the end of the passage, that a perfect body might bear sin and a broken one could be sinless. Bodies bear and hold trauma. Amputation, blindness, but also the marks of the world and the systems around us. Our world doesn't handle different bodies very well. And so we wrestle with body image. We experience physical pain and challenge. 
And yet we also learn new things, get creative, and find the blessings of our bodies. If healing meant losing the part of me that is one-armed, I'm not sure I would take it. Would I like a second arm? Sure, at least superficially. Yet who I am developed around how my body is. It's been informed by the trauma of countless surgeries as a child, learning to balance the trials and the tribulations of adolescence and being one-handed for 42 years. Healing must be more about the restoration of wholeness than about correcting something perceived as defective. It must be about more than eyesight and limbs. It has to be about the reclamation of what's been estranged, the return to communion and community of body and mind. Jesus spits on some dirt. He rubs it in the man's eyes, which is pretty gross if we're honest, right? And then he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Go wash in the pool that belongs to the one sent by God. Be sent by the one sent to you and for you. And he does. And is healed. And the healing has restored him to wholeness. It isn't about whether or not he can literally see. It's whether or not he still fits the role that he's played for all these years. It's whether or not the power structures that society takes for granted that those with different abilities and bodies are sidelined is actually true in God's kingdom. It's not. It's whether this man, Jesus, is actually restoring people's belovedness. He's showing the world that they fully belong, that they always have. That all it takes to see that is a bit of mud and spit. That being a child of God doesn't rely on the same criteria humanity create for one another. It's a space of unconditional love. And that's the power of this story. It calls us back to our own bodies and asks us if we love ourselves, whether we think we're whole or not. Can we speak the truth even when others can't see it? And can we risk being exiled to be a disciple? When this man is thrown out of his community, Jesus seeks him out. He'd been left alone since his sight was restored, but now, after speaking truth to power, Jesus comes to him. Jesus knows him whether he is blind or can see. Jesus sees him for the child of God that he is. If Jesus spat on dirt and rubbed mud on my arm and I somehow managed a starfish-like transformation, that'd be amazing. Yet I'm really not sure that that's what the mud does. Like wandering in the woods, hopping in puddles, playing in a sandbox or garden, mud reminds us of the messiness of beauty. It reminds us that we're loved in our frailty and our difference. God doesn't make mistakes. Mixed with spit, it reminds us that we are dustiness loved into being breathed and spat into being by God. And remembering who we are means that we can also proclaim who God is. The Pharisees don't seem to understand this. At the end of the passage, they ask, surely we're not blind, are we? 
And they may not be physically blind, but they don't see themselves. They don't see others. They don't see beyond the prejudice and margins they believe are true. They don't understand the beauty of mud. They don't understand the power of spit, or if you've had a kid, the staining power of spit. Jesus offers us healing, literally. Maybe of our physical bodies, but especially of how we experience our bodies. Jesus shows us that, the, that what the world deems broken, God claims as whole. That what the world would marginalize, God will redeem. That what others turn away from, God will turn toward. That what the world would question, God will answer with a little mud and spit. And that when we speak the truth, God will always be there for us. God is always looking to heal us. The pains and challenges in our bodies, yes, but especially our relationship with ourselves and with our world. This man may or may not literally see again. Yet his eyes are open and he regained his sight in some way. And I imagine that my wholeness, even in an eternal way, is not about my arm. Wholeness is a matter of love. Muddy, dirty, and spitty. And awkward love. This morning, I'd like you to humor me for a moment. I'd like you to sit back comfortably, to place your feet flat on the floor, close your eyes, relax. Place your hands gently on your lap. And breathe in. And breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. As you continue breathing, I invite you to place a hand on your stomach or on your chest. Feel your body move with your breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Keep breathing slowly in and out. Now, as you breathe, think about where you need healing. Where do you need restoration? Is it physical, emotional, or with relationships, family, friends, or colleagues? Breathe in. Breathe out. And as you continue to breathe and on your inhale, feel God's love. Invite it into the spaces that need healing. Let it give you strength. Let it see you and know you. Let Jesus find you however, wherever you are today. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Slowly let your breathing return to normal, 
Open your eyes, return to this space. God holds you and your body. God loves you and your body. Amen.